want to talk to you this morning about something that used to, I told Marcy, it's been a rough week with knowing what God wanted me to preach, and then I've gone back and forth this week because there's so much out there right now in, in, in the world and, and in uh, uh, preachers and this and that and pressure on preachers as to what to preach and what not to preach when it comes, comes to politics and when it comes to concerning what's going on. Uh, you can ask Marcy. When I met Marcy, I was a very uh, uh, political... Uh, uh, it burned in me, and I, uh, uh, the first thing she remembers was the height of a political election, and I'm going around the whole office building telling everybody who to vote for and who not to vote for. And so it's always been passionate part of my life. And then I came into the kingdom of God and got saved, and I recognized there was a higher government and a higher kingdom, and it kind of had a lot less appeal to me. But it, it, with that being said... Uh, it's still something very important that is going on in our nation and in our world. And if spiritual leaders don't speak out about the times that we're in, then I believe that's what's gotten us into the mess that we're in now, is that we need, we need, we need, how come everybody else can speak except for the pastors who we are looking to shepherd our souls and to lead us in spiritual matters? So I think we need to hear from our pastors on, uh, on, on matters such as what we're going to talk about today. So I want to talk to you today about several things that kind of gleaned and what the Lord's laid on my heart about vote for Jesus, vote for Jesus today. But I want to talk to you a little bit more. <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll see, I'll probably aggravate every side of the coin today, but, but I believe we're going to come from the Word of God and find out exactly what the Lord, how He kind of instructs us in the area of politics. How I many know the Lord has told us a lot of things in His Word? Even down to the matter of governments, He created governments. And He created this, the, the things that we're dealing with on, the, on this earth. And so uh, it, it, let's see what the Word of God has to say this morning. So let me pray one more time. If you got your Bibles, go with me to Mark 12. It's so good to have everybody here this morning. Glad to see you here in God's house. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being here. And let's pray. There's others that I know uh, cannot be here and couldn't be here for various reasons today. Got several calls and God knows those needs and I'll pray for them as well. I'm glad some of them are joining us online. So let's pray and let's ask God to help us to hear what the Spirit wants to say to us today concerning something that is so, so important in these next few days that we're about to enter into. So Father, we need you, God, right now. And we just ask you to speak to us today, God. We want to we we know as believers, God, should we or should we not be involved in politics? Should we or should we not vote? How should we vote? And God, so these things matter, God. Lord, just like in Jesus' day, we're going to see in a moment, there was a group that thought we shouldn't and there was a group that thought we should. And Lord, you had a good, you, you have good answers for those things in your word. And so Father, you're going to tell us today, I believe, you're going to clear up some things for us and help us to know exactly what you would have us do tomorrow or in the next couple of days concerning, God, this election, concerning the United States of America, concerning the world, God. We're living in the last days, it's no doubt. We are living in the last days, Lord. In fact, we, we, we could say when you were here and you came and died on the cross and were buried and rose from the dead, really you said that began the last days. So in reality, we're in the last of the last of the last days. And so, Lord, we, 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 you said many, uh, not, not just Antichrist is coming, but many Antichrists have already come into the world. We're seeing this. That's some of the things we were praying for Friday night. We were praying against deception. Man, there's such confusion. There's such deception now that is so rampant in our media, in Hollywood, in every, everything, even in the church world. God, things with the Pope and all kinds, just confusion 
confusion abounding everywhere, God, now. And Lord, we need a clear voice. We need clear direction. We need to hear, God, from Your Word, Lord God. There, your, your Word is truth. And Your church is to be the pillar of truth in the community. So God, we want nothing but Your truth, God, to come and to ring forth here today. And so Lord, speak to us by Your Word and let the Spirit of the living God bear witness to it. And God, I pray that Christ is honored in this place today, God. I pray that people will be changed, God, by hearing the Word of God preached. I don't understand it, but You chose, God, for just foolish men to get up here and, and just to preach Your Word. And somehow, God, You would bear witness to that. And Lord, just miracles happens and lives are changed and salvation comes by the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's just absolutely a wonderful thing. And it's amazing, God. Somehow faith comes to our hearts. And Lord, we just agree with Your Word and we're changed forever. So let that happen today, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said amen. amen. Hallelujah. There was a pastor I listened to a lot, and I'm gleaning some of the things because I, I really admire him. And there was a, uh, he, he, he told a story, and we may all have stories like this. This pastor, when he was younger, he was in art school. And he's, he was a Christian. He was a believer in a very liberal school in a very liberal area. And he said that his, polit his political ideas were different from those of almost everyone in the class. And it was a big presidential election, much like this election is coming up in the next couple of days. And all the people in the class were, they knew his stance, even though he didn't, he didn't preach his politics. They just knew him being a Christian and a believer. They knew which side of the coin more than likely he stood on. So after the election the next day, they came into class and literally they were just absolutely crying and wailing and, oh, our lives are over. And it's uh, because their candidate had lost and it was just, they were just having a fit and they all turned in their rage towards him and began to blame him for everything from global warming to this problem, to that problem and to that problem. And he said, I just sat there and he said, I just began to pray to God. He's like, God, you got to give me something to say to shut them up. You got to give me something to say to shut their mouths. You got to give me a gotcha question for them. And there's all kind of gotcha questions in the Word of God that they came to Jesus with. These gotcha, we're going to get them. We're going to get him this time and we're going to cause him to say something to slip up and lose his followers and that sort of thing. And so the, he, that's what he was asking Jesus for. And fortunately, the, Jesus downloaded this, this into, his, into his spirit. And he, so he got up in his seat and got up on the desk and just addressed the whole... He's kind of bold like that. And he addressed the whole room and he began to say, uh, let me me ask you this he began to say he said let me ask you who which which of you people went out and actually voted in this election and with silence in the room only two people him and the professor and the professor said ah oh, I see what you're doing here he said, you're telling everybody in this room they have no voice in this matter because they didn't vote in the election. And he just saw it. And that, that took care of the problem. It got them. They didn't have a, a leg to stand on to come back and complain if they did not participate in the process of the system. 
And so they absolutely, he silenced them and, and with this gotcha question. And, and, and so it actually silenced the, uh, the, the crowd there. And today I want to look at a question where they came to Jesus on a political matter. And they were, it's another gotcha question. Maybe one of the greatest gotcha political questions in the Word of God. If you got your Bibles, turn with me to Mark 12. And I want to read something that they came to Jesus and they wanted to capture something here. And here's what they begin to say in verse 13. That later they sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians to Jesus to catch him in his words. And they came to him and they said this, teacher, we know that you are a man of integrity. You are, uh, you aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are, but you teach the way of God in accordance with truth. It, is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Should we pay it? Or shouldn't we? They, they ask him the question and then they pose it in a different way. They restructure it because they want to get him. They want him to answer yes, Natasha, or no. They want it to be black or white. Because if it's black or white, they're going to get one side to fall out or another side to fall in. And so they begin to phrase it. And we got him this time. They, 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 they're coming with the gotcha question and they want to trap him here. Should we or shouldn't we pay this tax? But Jesus knew their hypocrisy and he said, why are you trying to trap me? Don't you love the wisdom and knowledge of our Lord? And he asked, bring me a denarii. And they brought it to him and he said, let me look at it. And they brought him the coin and asked them, whose image is on the coin? And whose inscription? And they said, Caesar's, they replied. And Jesus then said unto them, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and what is God, what is God's. Now what they wanted him to do, they wanted him to say something to cause him to lose credibility with the followers that he had. That's exactly what they're trying to do. So they came up with this plan that they had. And so what they wanted to do was they had a plan that was going to go like this. We'll bring the Herodians and we'll bring the Pharisees together and we're going to come to Jesus and we're going to ask him some political questions here and we're going to cause him to answer and, and buddy, it's going to cause a falling out on one side or the other. But Jesus is so brilliant and so wonderful that he, he, he answers them in such a way that it's going to take politics so much deeper and give an answer that's so great in a minute. But let me tell you first what the Herodians and who the Pharisees are because that's going to help you understand why the trap was being set and why they wanted to send these two groups to Jesus. Because here's the Herodians. They were a political sect of Jews and they believed that you could make... A, they, they were political. They believed that we need to be involved in politics and we need to make an alliance with the political people in society because if we can get our vote in there and if we can get in then we can begin to influence the system the way that we need to influence the system and make change so we may have to overlook a few things here and there but we're going to get in and we're going to influence through the system and we're going to make a difference so that was the people that you had on the Herodian side that was let's get involved let's gain political power with the Roman government so that we can make a difference in the Roman government and try to steer it and turn it our way to help us. Amen? And then you had the Pharisees, who were the exact opposite. And they said, Raymond, no, we will not get involved 
at all. We are not to, we are to come out and be separate. We are not to be involved in this. They were the completely opposite. They turned their back on political alliances and they said, we will pray and we will, we will pray in the Messiah because when the Messiah comes, He will deal with the Roman authorities. He will deal with bad government. He will steer it all into the right direction. So we're going to stay out of the matter. We're not going to be in charge or involved in any of it. And we're going to stay uncompromised. We're going to stay consecrated to God and God will deal with all the injustice and God will deal with all the impression, uh, oppression. So that's the two groups that are coming to Jesus with a gotcha trying to moment to try to get him to say one way or the other who he stands with and what they should do. And so the two groups, look at verse 14 again. They came to him and they said, teacher, we know that you are a man of integrity. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are, but you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Should we or shouldn't we do this? And as I said, they want a yes or no answer. They want it black or white. And if Jesus, Daniel says yes, then he is aligning himself with the Herodians and we got a whole lot of other people that are about to get mad and say he is compromised. He is, he, is, uh, he is siding with the Roman government. He is, he is, uh, he is uh, saying all these things. So they're going to be a group of followers that are going to be this way. And see, the kingdom of God, you've got to understand, the kingdom of God is not just a spiritual matter then. It is a physical matter. This is why they are so looking for a Messiah and miss the spiritual aspect that He's coming to die and be buried and rose again from the dead. That's why they missed it because it was the kingdom of God is a literal governmental rule in the natural where all injustice and oppression would be eradicated. That's what they're looking for. They're looking for an absolute kingdom of God to come. So when Jesus says the kingdom of God has come upon you, well, hey, where is it? I thought you were going to take care of Rome. I thought you were going to eradicate injustice. It's supposed to be a natural place. It's supposed to be a real place. And you are supposed to come and do away. It's an actual place. And you're supposed to do away with all this foolishness and all this mess and why aren't you doing it? Why aren't you putting your money where your mouth is, Jesus? Why aren't you doing what you what the Word of God appears to be saying the Kingdom of God when it comes and the Messiah when it comes, this is what He's going to do. And so they want to really trick Him. They want to get Him to come and say if He's with the Herodians that He's got the other sect going on and they got them upset and got them mad. But then if Jesus answers no and He says uh, no then to the Herodians then the Roman government and the, and, and the, and the, uh, the Roman government and the Herodians now will want to get Him for insurrection. They'll want, to, they'll want to get Him because here's a man with tax evasion. Here's a man saying you don't have to listen to the government. Here's a man that's coming on the opposite side and so either way they're coming like they always came and they want to trick him and they want to trap him and they want to find out which side he stands on for real and Jesus is so wise 
But you see what he's dealing with. And that's kind of what we're dealing with today. If you've ever been in leadership, if you've ever been around in leadership, this is kind of what comes our way. This is kind of what's coming the way of a... Then you feel this pressure sometimes. You feel this pressure as a pastor from a group of Herodians and a group of Pharisees because they're in our churches right now. They're in our churches. you got a side that is saying, Pastor, you need to say something about this. You need to say something about politics. How dare you? You're not a man of God if you don't say something about politics. Then you got another group saying, no, you don't say anything about politics. How can you side with that? How can you be mixed up with all that foolishness? You ought to come out from among that and be you separate. The church has no business there. And, and pastors have no business there. And so just like Jesus, there's this pressure that comes down upon us to answer the question like this. You must get involved. You must not get involved. And that's why pastors most of the time just stay silent on the issue. And they keep themselves separate. Because this tension, this trap, this trap that's being set and this trap that was say, or feeling like a trap. But the way Jesus answers this is absolutely brilliant. And here's what He does. He refuses to make politics simple. And here's how He answers the question. He says, give to Caesar what is Caesar, and then give to God what is God. And look what up on the screen it says, when it comes to politics, Jesus refuses to make things simple. He's not saying yes, and He says, I'm not giving you a no, but I'm going to do something very deeper here that, you're gonna, that I'm going to show you about politics in this passage of Scripture. And so when Jesus talks about relations, your relationship with God or people's relationship with God, He makes it very simple. He comes and says things like, you're a sinner, and you're, and you're falling short of the glory of God, and you need salvation. And it's really simple. And then he says, if you receive me, I'll come and live in you. I'll abide in you. I'll give you my spirit and you'll become my child. And it's really cut and dry. It's really simple. But when it comes down to talk about our relationship with the federal government, it gets a little bit different because he's not giving a simple or yes or no because he doesn't want his response to be twisted in a certain way. And so he goes deeper here and he begins to answer this very, very uniquely and very interestingly and it's pretty awesome. He says, whose image is on the coin? In, any, in other words, whose coin is that? And in that day, let me tell you, it was Caesar who printed the money. It was Caesar who owned the printing press. It was Caesar who owned the coins and the material for the coin and had the money machine and allowed the money to be distributed. So Jesus says, bring me the coin, look at the coin, flip it over and look at it and tell me whose image is on that coin. And they begin to say, Caesar is, is, is Caesar's. It's actually printed from his treasury. And then Jesus says, then give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and give, but he adds something very interesting, and give to God what is God's. And so the question comes, should we or should we not be involved? And the first thing we come to is when Jesus says give to Caesar what is Caesar's, he's telling his followers that they are not to escape or run from politics or run from the government. You're not to sit on the sidelines. We're to give to our democracy, or I like to call it republic. We are to give to our republic that which we owe it. Give your republic that which you owe it. In other words, we live in a land where we've been asked to vote for our elected officials. 
And we should give to our republic what we have been asked to do. We are to participate in a responsible, fair election. And it is what we owe in response to the freedom that we have been given in this nation to do. We are to give to our republic what our republic asks of us. And that's what we're to do. We are to be voting and to vote responsibly, I believe. We are stewards, the Bible tells, on this earth. God gave us stewardship over this earth and and He gave us a blessing in this nation to have the decision of coming together in and having the vote in our actual hands that the people hold the election hour in our hands if we'll literally go out and use that power to go out and vote responsibly that 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 that's in our hands and we are to give back to our republic that which we have responsibility to give back i believe the lord is saying right here he tells us to do it as a steward to respond responsibly and properly do this. He says, render to Caesar. And render means give back to Caesar. Give back to that person what they deserve. That's what he's beginning to say. That's what he means here. Give back to Caesar what he deserves and give back to God what he deserves. Now, what does tyrannical Caesar deserve? What is ty- if, if, if the Roman government at this time began to get tyrannical, what does this tyrannical leader deserve from his followers? Does he deserve money? Yes, because it's his money. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Regardless of the Caesar that sits on the throne, he gives his people and his subjects a measure of order. He gives them a measure of protection. And we are to render back to him or give back to him what he gives to us. And so we have a responsibility. The Bible tells us to do that. If he's a tyrannical leader who thinks he's God and he's immoral and he creates genocide like we've seen many of those Roman leaders do. He says that he also deserves a measure of resistance in the heart of his own followers. In other words, I can't give him my total devotion. Right? But I can give my total devotion to who? God. Render therefore unto Caesar that which is Caesar's and render therefore unto God. Give to God that which is God. I give my total devotion. I can give my money to Caesar, but I give my total allegiance and devotion to God. Amen. Because only God deserves our entire total We owe our republic the stewardship and the responsibility to vote. But here's the thing. Listen, as Christians, we cannot give a party or a political figure our absolute and complete undivided devotion. Tony Evans says it like this. Tony Evans likened it to the football team. And I love this analogy because he he says it's like a football team because I got this all wrong. And I think many of you in the audience may have this all wrong. He said, this is what it's like for Christians. You've got two teams that are in the middle of the field. And both of those teams are trying to get to the end zone to score a touchdown. And he said, you have an offensive team and you have a defensive team. And they switch up. Whenever one stops them, they switch to the other. And both are trying to get to the end zone. Well, it's like the two political parties we have in this nation. They are on the field like a football field. And they're trying to get their guy into the end zone and score. And most of us think that we are part, just like part of Alabama or Auburn, we think we are part of one of the two teams on this field. But Dr. Tony Evans said that we are. there's a third 
person on the field. And the third person on the field is the referee. And that's who we are. We are the referee. When things get out of hand, when things don't measure up, when there's things that aren't running right, we are the ones who show the world and the nation what is right according to the playbook or the manual book. They have a book that comes down from the NFL or from the NCAA. And that's what they come and they decide what out of these two candidates, the playbook and what's being run. They don't listen to the coach and the coach say, well, it's this way and it ought to be this way. No, they have a higher kingdom that they're a part of. They're not of the kingdom of Alabama. They're not of the kingdom of Auburn. They're of the kingdom of the NFL or the kingdom of the NCAA. And they have a manual that comes down. And they're to watch the teams. And when it gets out of control and people start yelling at each other and civility leaves, they are to be the ones to get it back on course and to say, no, this is the way it should be. Penalty on the play. That's the way it should be. And that's the same thing with us. We have have a manual. We are the referees and we have a book that we have to go by and regardless of what the party or the coach is doing or he's saying, we have to go with this more than a party or a platform. Amen? So think of yourself not as part of the franchise teams but as a referee with a manual book coming down from heaven and we go into the book and we don't go to Fox and CNN and turn our eye this way or that way. We listen to what God's Word. We go into the playbook. And we begin to call it out of the playbook, the Bible. And we begin, it shows us all the plays. It shows us the plays and the, and, the, and the people on the field and what's going on and what's right and what's wrong. And it begin, we begin to be led by that. And so we are an extension of God's grace holding the world together. That's what we are doing. It's what we're supposed to do so that it doesn't fall into complete chaos. The believers are the referees. We're supposed to be pointing the way and helping in these matters, not being one-sided, one team, making more division and problems in the world. Amen. And so for a few minutes, I want to give you a few things. Paul wrote to the Corinthian church and he said uh, about marriage and he said, this is kind of now I and not the Lord, even though it was biblical and it was, and it was that. But I want to give you a few more things that maybe can help you to vote in the next couple of days in this election. And I want to give you some wisdom to navigate that experience and to be good, responsible stewards uh, and to go by the rule book. To go by the rule book. And, and, to, and to follow the rule book. So if you got your Bibles, turn to Romans 13.1. And I want to show you something about government. Because if we're trying to keep order in the midst of chaos, and we're trying to know according to the rule book, how, what do we do? Well, we want to be good stewards. We want to render to our republic and give to our republic what our, what, what our republic deserves. And we want to render, therefore, unto God and give to God what He deserves, our total devotion and that sort of thing. So let's ask God. Let's look in God's Word in the rule book and see about government. Let's look at why government was established and that sort of thing. And look at that. And I'm not going to go through all this with you, but I, I, you got about two days that I would say run home and read Romans 1, read Romans 13, read Hebrews, and begin to go to the manual and look at what government was created for and why it's here. And then look at the two teams and begin to, to uh, make uh, the, the right choice according to the manual. And I'm going to help you with that in just a moment. But here's what he says. Let everyone be subject to the governing authority. 
authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Amen? Who are they established by? The Democrats or Republicans? By God. By God. Consequently, whoever rebels against authority is rebelling against who? Donald Trump? Kayavi? Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right. And the reader, you know, get this, he's actually talking about a wicked, evil Roman government. He's talking about a government who put Christians on poles and burned them outside. So don't go by what the red team and the blue team are telling you. Go by the manual. Okay? Go by the manual. we got to go by the manual. Listen, there's things in the manual I don't like. Right? But they're good. And they're of God. And so you go by the manual. You read the manual and you go by the manual. That's what we're to do. And you crucify your flesh. You deny yourself. You take up your cross. And you follow Him into death. Amen? Paul said, I die daily. So if you had to read this over and over until you beat your flesh in submission, until you kill yourself, then you need to do it. Because God says here that, that, that for uh, rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's minister or servant for your good. But if you, are do, if you do wrong, be afraid. For rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants or minister or agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also for a matter of conscience. Boy, I feel it. (laughs) Now, can you imagine Trump or Biden getting up tomorrow and saying, we are here and vote for us Tuesday. We are God's agents of wrath. But that's really what he says here. For those who do wrong, this is what we are. He, he, you know, put every, everything else aside and read the rule book. And you might not like what's in the rule book, but that's what it says. When you follow God's order, then there is life, there is peace, and there is blessing that comes from following the rule book. Now, God establishes government to punish those who are doing wrong or evil and to protect those who are doing good. And so here's the key. Here's why you must vote in a nation where you can vote is because this, you must elect those who know how to govern either good or evil. Do you hear me? The leaders have to know if they're going to have the responsibility of bringing the wrath on those who do good and evil, then what if they don't know good and evil? We got a big problem. So we have a responsibility as people to know and to seek out and to be the referees and find out who is standing and understands what good is and who understands what evil is or who doesn't understand what good and evil is. And so here we're going to look at a couple of things because they can't do it according to the culture or according to popular opinions. And that's how a lot of our politicians want to govern now, not based on the manual or on what God says is right or wrong. They want to go by public opinion and 
some opinion poll and let the culture decide or public opinion what is good and what is evil. And we don't need that governing us. And so abortion, according to the manual, is evil. It's evil. And the Word of God tells us over and over and over, it it, it tells us about the sanctity of life. It tells us about killing the unborn. It tells us about killing the aged. It tells us about taking innocent lives over and over and over in the Word of God that, that, that we don't have the right to do such a thing. Sexual perversion and teaching our kids that there is no such thing as gender is evil. It's evil according to the manual. I can't take a few things and then overlook a few other things. I have to call, I have to throw a flag at certain areas on the play and say the manual doesn't give me a pass on this issue. It says it's wrong and it's evil. Amen? I mean, it's easy. In the first chapter it says He made them male and female. And I'm sure God is scratching His head and saying, how can we get this so confused when He made them in the very first chapter, male and female? He did not make it that complex. Listen, fighting for the power through the lying and deceit is evil. Swarming people into our streets in violent uproars in the hopes to gain power to change a political agenda is evil. I don't care how good the cause is, it's evil. We're not to respond in violence. The Bible tells us, do not respond in violence. Jesus tells us, listen, if we don't change our ways, there's going to be a civil war in this nation and people are wanting you to choose sides right now. And God says, no, I don't want violence in my streets. Listen to what Romans 1.18 says. I want to give you four things here before we close. Listen to what he says in Romans 1.18. He says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth of their, by their wickedness since that they may be known, uh, so, since what, they, what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible powers, His eternal power and divine divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse for all they they knew God they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened although they claimed to be wise they became fools they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal human beings and birds and animals and reptiles therefore God gave them over to their sinful desires of their hearts to sexual immorality for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lust. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with one an- with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossipers. They are slanderers. They are God-haters. They are insolent. They are arrogant, boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They are disobedient to parents. They have 
have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. And although they knew God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but they also approve of those who practice them. I'm going to get serious for just a few minutes. Romans 1 says this, that the wrath of God comes on a people or a nation. And he says there's four things concerning it. And here they are. Number one, the wrath of God comes on a nation when we, number one, no longer thank God or acknowledge God. When we have people saying you cannot pray at school, and you cannot pray as a football coach at a football game. And when we have people saying you cannot acknowledge God, and when you have people saying you cannot have a Supreme Court justice that has an opinion or a belief in God, then you can know if we continue down this road, the wrath of God is coming on our nation. When we want Him out of the Pledge of Allegiance... When we take a certain political party a couple of years ago and remove his name from our party platform and they stand up and they clap because God is no longer allowed there. The wrath of God is coming down on our nation. Number two, the wrath of God, it says here, is coming down on a nation or a people who continue to push the boundaries of sexual immorality. Not only do they say these lifestyles are okay, but they push, they push, and they teach the children to do these things. Not only in the classrooms now, not only there, but also in our very churches now. And God says when you continue down this path and you continue to do these things and you continue to ignore my word and my manual and my playbook, you are bringing the wrath of God down upon you. Teaching our children that there's no such thing as gender anymore. Confusing them. Taking nine-year-old children and saying they can stop the hormone process in their bodies, their little bodies, because they can decide for themselves who and what they are. Listen, a nine-year-old kid moves with the wind every single year or two. That's why we don't give kids guns. That's why we don't give kids driver's license. Because today they think this and tomorrow they think that. That's why they have parents. That's why they are raised till a point where they get older, they become adults, they become mature, and then we let them out and sadly we have a nation now that does not parent or teach our kids the right from wrong but now we thrust this thing on them and we begin to teach them things and make choices for themselves that, that, are, that are horrible and frightening in our nation now. So we need to pray. When we do this, we can know that the wrath of God is coming down on our nation. The next one, number three is, uh, says this, that the wrath of God comes on a nation when the children are disobedient to parents. Or in other words, people who do not see any value of the family unit and are fighting to destroy the responsibility and roles of parents in their children's life, then you can know that the wrath of God is coming down on a nation. When you are fighting, entire political parties are fighting to destroy the family unit. When they are fighting to destroy the family. When they are fighting to destroy what God instituted between man and woman. When they are literally 
constantly fighting. When you have a party that aligns itself with a with an agenda with like Black Lives Matter. And listen, I'm not against. Listen, I know there's been racial injustices. I don't have a problem with you getting behind a cause of a good cause. But when you've got an agenda, when you can get on their website and you can read that it is absolutely wanting violence and chaos in our streets, that they are lighting the flame and the fuse when they are saying that they want to destroy the very nucleus family. They want to destroy the family, the Western society and the family. When you align yourself with those practices and those things, you're aligning yourself against the very word and creator of God. And folks, I'm telling you, we're bringing the wrath of God down on us. And the word of God says, lastly, that a people or a nation is bringing God's wrath when they are full of depravity. Listen, I'm very sensitive to abortion because I guarantee you there are ladies in this room who have had abortions. I guarantee you the number of abortions we've had in this nation. There was a time I thought that was okay. And God forgives that if you've had that. And He will forgive you for that. He loves you just as much as He loves forgives a thief or a murderer or a liar or anything else. But when you have a nation and parties that say we can abort babies all the way to full term and pull them out of the womb and kill them, you are bringing the wrath of God down on your nation. When you light up the Empire State Building and politicians gather together and applaud and clap the murder of, of children, we are bringing the wrath of God on this nation. As soon as we moved into these realms with this kind of thinking and this kind of behavior, we have moved into a realm that we better be very careful because the wrath of God is going to appear very, very soon. We need to call these things according to what the Word of God says. We need, they've embraced Romans 1 now. And, 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 and listen, those type people cannot run a government properly because they don't even know the right from wrong. They don't even know good from evil. They call evil things good and good things evil. And so folks, I'm here to tell you in the next few days, you have got to go into the Word of God. You have got to go into the book. You have got to go into God's manual and begin to hear the voice of God to telling you as you go into that voting poll and go into that voting booth to render unto the republic what belongs to the republic and render unto God what belongs to God. Amen? And so, if you're a Christian, I really don't see how we have a two-party system in this nation for us anymore. There may be people on the other side, and I'll make the ameners there a little upset. We'll deal with the other elephant in the room. There may be others who have a hard time with certain personalities and behaviors of the other side. 
And they're having a hard time with a clear conscience voting for that as well. We've dealt with policy, and now there's a matter of conscience. Whatever is not of faith, as the Bible says, is sin. Feeding meat offends your brother. I won't do it. You know, I mean, I mean you, you don't force that guy to eat meat because it, for us, for the one who can eat it, it's not a sin because he's got the faith to believe it's okay to eat that meat. But the other guy's struggling, he's weaker. And, and so for his conscience sake, he, he doesn't eat it because it would offend him. And there may be some people that their conscience are really struggling right now with, I, I, I hear what you're saying there, but how do I go over here? Because I'm just as troubled by some things over here and my conscience is really bothering me here. And what I would say there is I would say you need to get in the prayer closet this week and you need to really pray. And you need to really ask yourself, is this God putting this on my conscience or is this just me imposing this on my conscience? And you need to sort that out and work that out this week as you begin to pray. And you need to spend time in prayer and, and, and say, is this God convicting me or is this just me convicting me? And let God deal with your conscience. And then I would say lastly, no matter what happens this week, God is on the throne. God is on the throne. I said God is on the throne and God is sovereign. And God can change the hearts and minds of people. Yeah, give Him a clap. He is mighty. He is holy. I wish I had some of the verses I had from the other night, but I already closed them out and I'm not going to get them. But He is sovereign. We read about the sovereignty of God the other night. God changes things. God establishes things. Man tries to put something up. God overrules the affairs of man. God is in control. God will decide the outcome of this election. God tears one nation down and builds up another. God puts one man in and takes another man out for His purpose. We have a responsibility. We render unto the republic what we should give the republic. But, but, but we render therefore unto God what we should give to God. And so we're going to go. We're going to do our obligation. We're going we're to study the manual. We're going to listen and we're going to go out and make a good a great decision going into the polls as believers and we're going to vote with our conscience. We're going to vote with our heart as to what we think is the, uh, the right choice to do in this election, but then we're going to leave it in the hands of God and we're going to know that God is so sovereign and that folks, no matter what happens, we win. Amen? And if you've got a conscience problem, I can't tell you to go vote because the Bible says to force you to do that would be a sin. But I would say you not voting is a vote for the wrong man. And you need to think about that very, very hard. You need to be thinking, so you need to be really praying. You need to be really praying. By your not voting, you're putting, you, you may be putting in someone you may be putting in the candidate who, who is uh, for abortion. You may be putting in the candidate who is for uh, sexual confusion. You may be putting in the candidates who are doing these things. So, so be, be, very, very, be very much in prayer this week. So let me pray. Father, we love you. Hallelujah. Father, this is not a normal message, not something I even wanted to come bring today, God. I love coming and just delivering the gospel. But I feel like as a pastor, I have an obligation 
I feel like I had an obligation to tell people, God, both the Herodians and the Pharisees, what you said to them. Render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's, and render therefore unto God that which is God. Lord, we're going to do what we can do for this nation. We're going to come and we're going to, we're going to do, God, we, we, we want to we, we give back in our taxes. We, we, we give back to, uh, God, we, we honor our government and our leader. We're going to honor whichever side wins. We're going to, we're, we as believers are going to do our best to honor that until it, until, it, until it comes to a place where our devotion has to part and it goes with God and not with man. That, that we, we, will follow, we will follow and obey until it says to do something against this book. But God, help us this week. We're praying for a miracle. We're praying for Your divine hand in this election. We're praying for miracles to come in this election, God. We're praying for believers to get up and to get out and to vote. We're praying that these believers, God, would be uh, good referees, God, in, in this thing and that Lord we would go into the manual this week and we would just hear your word hear your word God and, and know uh, God how we how we are to vote and then Lord we would pray for those consciences those people who are struggling in their conscience to vote God uh, Lord we would pray that you would deal with them God and help them to know whether it's them or whether this is you God that that conviction that conscience is God that's going on there and so Father we thank you we praise you God thank you for this uh, day Thank you for this time in your house, God. Again, I know it was much different than what we normally come in here for, but I know it was of you. I know this is what, for two weeks now, I knew this is what, God, you said to, to deliver. And so I have done that, God. You, do, you take it and, 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 and let the rest be, be done as it needs to be done, Father. And Lord, we praise you. We give you the praise and the honor and the glory in Jesus' holy name. And everybody said amen and amen.